Awesome. Sweet. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of The Reverend and the Reprobate. I will be playing the part of The Reverend tonight. Here with me always is Danley Gibson. I'm and the Kyle. bad guy. Um, I made it. Kyle didn't make it tonight. <laughs> I made so it. All, of you all the bathroom, been, uh, bathroom problems yeah, are cleared enough. up. Everybody who's been purring for Kyle's bathroom issues over the last couple of weeks. This is an inside joke, apparently, <laughs> and I'm not even a part of it, so don't feel bad. Oh, welcome. Um, we've got with us tonight a guy who shared an incredibly inspiring and harrowing story on another podcast, and I felt like we needed to uh, to have him on, Steve Ryder with Never Alone, a, uh, a father of two, um, has spent several years working, uh, he worked with James Dobson's worked with a really cool organization called Holy Smokes, which I think Charles Spurgeon would love, though my mother might not be a giant fan of. Um, but that's okay. my mom either. Yeah, they don't have to come. That's yeah. one of the cool things about it: it's faith, friendship, and no moms. I think that's the last bit of the. Of the <laughs> no, thing there, so. no, there, there, there are some moms that are come. Are there? But There's the, some moms the, that come. The great thing is that often they're either cool with cigar smoke or they're smoking themselves. There you hey, go. there we hmm. go. All right. Yeah. My, my mom uh, found one of my tobacco pipes and threw it away. <laughs> she, she's not a good that, candidate this for this club. Week, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so as, uh, as pastors, as husbands, as fathers, um, your story really touched me. And uh, as I was talking to, to Kyle and Danley about it um, and, and what it is that you're, you're trying to do is to create legislation for patients that are hospitalized, especially during a no. pandemic, but would basically give people the right to have one screened visitor per day per patient in, in a hospital, at least. Right. Yeah. So how did uh, how did this become such an important part of your life? And, and what was your journey like to get to this point, if you wouldn't mind sharing your story with us? Yeah. So um, I really kind of stumbled into it. Um, I, I had a sick wife who had dealt with autoimmune issues and uh, pulmonary hypertension for years. Um, when she was giving, uh, she had an emergency C-section with our first son and she lost a lot of blood. And uh, the doctor came and pulled me aside and he said, Steve, it got really hairy in there. Mm -hmm. And when she woke up, um, a friend, uh, my, I was coaching high school football at the time and my head coach's wife, who I just went out with he and his wife, uh, for dinner last week. Um, she went with Elizabeth and I went with Matthew. And when Elizabeth woke up, the first thing she said to Tracy was, I'm not supposed to be here. Wow. And yeah. something was planted and it took us years to kind of unpack what, what was going on spiritually, the kind of attack that was going on. Um, uh, and, and, uh, so I, there was something in my spirit that I always knew that this could be my journey, losing my wife, becoming a widower. Um, and, and really, it, it, the thought really became a I, I knew this was going to be my journey when five and a half years ago, actually almost six years ago now, um, my wife was hospitalized with a severely significantly enlarged heart and a uh, heart that was failing congestively. Mm -hmm. Undiagnosed pulmonary hypertension, which we believe kind of went back to that very first birth with Matthew. Um, she complained about chest pains starting the next night. And the doctors always said, oh, that's just the lupus. That's just the lupus. That's just the lupus. Well, um, uh, the doctors, when she went in in November of 2014, said that this is an end of life kind of situation. And once she was formally diagnosed with the pulmonary hypertension, um, uh, Dr. Badish, who is a world-renowned doctor, pulled me aside. He said, Steve, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but there's a very real possibility your wife won't be around to see your youngest graduate high school. Mm. 
it took me a while to kind of um, absorb that, soak that in. And uh, once I recovered from that shock, um, I, I wrote about it on Facebook two days after she died. I, I made the determination that I was going to try and live every single day with no regrets. That way, if for some reason she was suddenly gone, I would be able to look back at however many months, years I was given. I, I would be able to look back and say, hey, I've, I've got no regrets. I, I loved her to the best of my ability. Hmm. And uh, so anyway, at the beginning of COVID, I was in Wisconsin uh, for the boys basketball tournament. Uh, one of my college roommates was the number one seed in all of Division Five. Oh, undefeated, wow. two career thousand point scorers. One of the players is a offensive line recruit for the University of Wisconsin. Nice. Um, and 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 if you know anything about college football, UW is an offensive line machine. They it turn is. out guys into the NFL like crazy. And yeah, those Ben, Bar- ben Barton's a really good prospect, and his son. Chandler was uh, first team all conference and uh, this was a team he was going to win state. I mean, he told me about that. He told me that 10 years prior. So I was super excited. I got out to Wisconsin the first day I got out there. They, they made the first that, that round of sectionals only family. And then the next night, actually that night they canceled the entire tournament. Hmm. And so uh, the next day Elizabeth called and she said, uh, I'm not feeling well. I think it might be COVID. Um, but she said a friend who husband worked for the DOD, uh, her husband and and um, Marissa were kind of not feeling well either. And so um, I immediately got a plane ticket back the next day rather than uh, fiddle around with trying to work things out with Frontier. I just got a one-way ticket from Southwest and just came back. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, anyway, um, she got tested that Monday mid-March. And uh, when she got that negative test back, um, she was just up and down for about seven weeks total. Uh, And uh, her doctor wouldn't see her because they thought it still could be COVID. Um, There was a high false, false negative rate. And so because both of us were exhibiting some symptoms, they thought we might have it. Um, and unfortunately, those virtual visits that we were relegated to, uh, some pneumonia set in. And uh, on April 29th, she was hospitalized. Um, she woke up at 4.30 in the morning throwing up, wasn't able to keep even a sip of water down. And we knew at that point she had to go to the hospital. Yeah, so we, yeah. called, we called the ambulance. They came, picked her up, and uh, said goodbye through the front door and said, hopefully I'll see you soon. Hopefully I expected them to let us in because I mean, this is April 29th. So we're looking at about seven weeks into the COVID thing. I figured, yeah, it's especially Colorado. I mean, we didn't get hit like New York or New Jersey or any of those other hotspots. And so so I figured, yeah, it's it's not going to be a problem. I'll I'll get a COVID test and I'll I'll be negative. And I was that day, that day I I got a COVID test. Elizabeth got a COVID test again, was negative. And uh, I was told, no, you can't come to the hospital. I figured, okay, all right. Um, uh, I started calling some friends. And uh, one of them is uh, leads a, a pretty significant ministry here in town, uh, John Stone Street, the president of Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Okay. And uh, John's a client and a really good friend. And uh, um, John said, "Hey, Steve, I just got off the phone. I know about your situation. I've been watching it. Um, and this is just a couple of days in." Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, um, I, "I've I've got a donor 
that was very involved in this hospital merger here in Colorado Springs. And he gave me some really good advice for you to try and work your way up, up the chain, to get up to the top of the chain right away. Mm-hmm. Said to call the hospital CEO and to call the head of nursing and basically plead your case and get an exception. He said that should be able to get it done. They wouldn't take my call at all. And so uh, Christopher Gessner, the CEO of University of Colorado Anschutz, Elizabeth Concordia, the CEO of University of Colorado Health, and the head of nursing, um, their offices refused to take my call. And they said, uh, their office basically said, you have to talk to either the head nurse on that floor, or you need to talk to uh, uh, a patient advocate. So I called and left a message with a patient advocate. I figured they were probably overrun with uh, requests for people to come in. And so when I got a hold of the head nurse on the floor, I said, hey, my, I just got my COVID test back yesterday. Um, I'm negative. Can I see my wife? No. Um, I have personal protective equipment that's provided by insurance because I have to change her Hickman line that goes into her chest that's pumping in meds 24 um, seven. No, uh, I, I've decreased the 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 infection risk by more than 66 um, percent. Most most pH patients that have a Hickman line going in, they get an infection because there's an open mm-hmm. hole right here right. in your chest yep. with a line that's going in. The, the, they get one infection a year. Mm. Elizabeth had two infections. This was her second infection in mm. five and a half years. Mm. And uh, um, still a no. And so uh, a couple of days later, I got a call back from the patient advocate. And really that person was nothing more than an advocate for the hospital mm. and put me in, put a real sour taste in my mouth. Mm. And so at that point I had a friend who was like, who works in PR. He used to be the VP of PR at focus, focus on the family for those that don't know. Yeah. And, um, and anyway, he sent a blast out to, I think it was like 800 reporters and I got a bunch of local bites and some bites up in Denver. And, and uh, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, we started doing stories and um, I was trying to uh, um, get in in whatever way I possibly could to work through the channels. And uh, on Friday before Mother's Day, uh, so two days before Mother's Day, I went up to Denver to go pick up my mom from the airport. I was really focusing hard on trying to get into that hospital and trying to force the hospitals to start to let screened visitors in. Right. You know, I, I I was willing to go by whatever restrictions they wanted to place on me. Right. I, I, I was willing to be quarantined to my wife's room. And if I left without an escort, boom, I'm booted. I was willing to wear a mask every second that I was there at the hospital. If I was ever caught without a mask, boom, I would be I'd be willing I'd be willing to leave. I was willing to I was willing to buy my own friggin' hazmat suit. Yeah. And I told them that. I said, I will buy a has I'll buy whatever it is that you want. I'll drop five thousand dollars if needed. Let me get in there to see my wife. Because when she was in, when she was in in November 2014. The doctors called it, like I said, an end of life kind of situation. And she was much sicker in 2014 than she was when she went in. Hmm. It was serious. Pneumonia was serious. Hmm. I will, 
fully say that. It was serious. But it wasn't critical. It wasn't life-threatening. And, and uh, um, it got to be life-threatening at one point. Uh, and uh, so uh, going back to that Friday, we're going up to go pick up my mom. I thought, hey, we've got a little bit. Of, if we leave a little early, we can pick up some euros and, at a euro place, just you know, a couple miles from the hospital yeah. and uh, go sit in the parking lot outside of her window and uh, FaceTime with her, eat dinner together. And then, you know, we'll flash the lights. We'll wave from the car and she, they can flash the lights to her room and she can wave from the window. And so at the end, um, her nurse got her up, walked her to the window. They flashed the lights. We waved and she got super emotional. I mean, just started just crying nonstop. And uh, anytime she ever got emotional like that, uh, with that kind of deep emotion, she went down physically. And that night I got a call at 2.30 and 5 in the morning saying your wife is bleeding in one of her lungs. We're moving her to ICU. We're trying to stop it. Um, the second call was we've slowed it down. We don't think it's a major artery. We think it's a couple of smaller ones. Uh, we've given her a coagulant because she's on blood thinners. And so uh, she's nice that you don't come up. So at this point, I, uh, I was, I, 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 um, I, I didn't crash quite yet. Um, I, I was strong for her on Saturday. She was super weak. And, uh, in, in fact, there were a few times that we talked that I'd never seen her that week. And, and I, when I hung up on FaceTime, I wondered if that was the last time I was going to talk to my wife. And so, uh, anyway, Mother's Day comes, and I do. I pull out all my tricks to try and get her to smile, and I can't get her to smile, not once. And at that point, I crashed emotionally. I, I went into this just depression because I was like, I'm stuck. I can't get to see my wife. She's an ICU. Nothing I'm doing. They're not allowing me in. And uh, so, anyway, she slowly got better. I slowly started to kind of come out of that funk. And uh, um, so uh, she she improved where a week and a half after she went into ICU, actually nine, I think it was uh, eight days, nine days, she was moved out uh, out of ICU, back into the step-down ICU. And then uh, um, like the next day, they were starting to talk about letting her come home. Cool. All right. So on Tuesday, March 19, uh, May 19th, uh, 2020, we had a call at about four o'clock in the afternoon. It was about 10 minutes where we talked about um, kind of the details of when she could come home. I was kind of starting to plan out meals. I was starting to plan out, hey, this day, first day, this friend's gonna come over. Second day, this friend's gonna come over. Third day, your mom's gonna come down. Just kind of starting to plan out some schedules so that way she get the, all that not try and overwhelm her, but right. try and stagger out her friends coming over. So that way she'd get what she should have gotten during that time that she was in the hospital. Because in 2014, between her mom and me, we were there 24 seven. I would go for like three days and then her mom would come and stay like one or two. I'd come home. My mom was with the boys. 
she flew in from Wisconsin in 2014. And uh, so that way I'd be able to kind of focus. And it was that kind of personal attention that I believe really, really helped pull my wife out of where she was in November of 2014 for being in that critical uh, place. And so, uh, yeah, we had a really, really, probably the first really good conversation where both of us were in a really good place. And uh, um, 40 minutes later, I got a call from the hospital. And when I looked at it, I thought, hey, cool, they're giving me details about picking her up tomorrow. And instead, they uh, they said, your wife's gone into cardiac arrest. Get up here now. Took me an hour and a half to get up to that hospital. I called about 20 minutes into the drive. They said they were still doing compressions. I knew I, I, knew I wasn't going to see her alive at, the, at that point. And then uh, um, about an hour into the drive, once I got to the very south part of Denver, I called again. And that's when her doctor, Dr. Bull, told me. Um, we couldn't save her. And uh, so when I got to the hospital, um, I wasn't wearing a mask. I never thought about bringing a mask. Obviously, I mean, you're, you're not thinking about a whole lot of things, just trying to get up to the hospital as quick as possible. And uh, they never offered me a mask, never told me to put one on, which, I mean, that's that's fine. Uh, when I was on my way out after saying goodbye to her body, more than half the doctors, nurses, and staff on that ground floor were not wearing masks. If this was really, really, really that dangerous, and I believe that it's highly contagious, I believe that, you know, um, you know, there, there is an at-risk population that needs to be very careful when it comes to this virus. But that hospital had the highest number of COVID patients in the entire state of Colorado. And that was the reason that I was told I was never allowed in. Why, why were, were, was not every single doctor, nurse, staff person, janitor, freaking janitors that weren't wearing masks? Man, I'm so uh, anyway, it didn't really hit me until the next day. Um, if it would have, I would have pulled out my phone and started recording it and live streamed it. And uh, but obviously, I mean, that that kind of a trauma, you're just not thinking clearly, not thinking straight. And so, uh, yeah, over the next uh, coming weeks, I just kept hearing story after story after story after story of people that were giving birth alone. No spouse, no loved one, no mom allowed right. to be with the wife, right. mom, the the pregnant woman. Um, I heard stories of kids being in the ER alone. I, was, I saw one story on Twitter of an eight-year-old boy who was in the ER mom wasn't allowed to be with him and they wouldn't even let the kid have his freaking teddy bear what kinds of trauma is that kid going to have and these kids what kinds of traumas are they going to have about doctors and medical professionals and uh, how how fearful are they of going to a doctor of going to a hospital for the rest of their lives unless if they get this dealt with 
Um, and, and of course, I mean, we're still seeing nursing homes, hospices that are not allowing visitors. Right. It's, 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 well, it's tragic. We, we did a great job of fighting a virus, but we left all these individuals in the wake. Mm-hmm. I was telling you guys before we started, I believe that, um, my wife, uh, or no, I, th- I think it was, I was telling someone else earlier today that, that my wife was a collateral, was collateral damage in this because it was some undiagnosed pneumonia mm. that, that you can't diagnose pneumonia over a virtual visit. Mm. And she was relegated, she was relegated to these virtual visits that, that, uh, you know, it, you, she, she wasn't given the kind of proper care that she, that she needed. And we're just now starting to see what's coming down in terms of numbers, in terms of, you know, the number of people that have suffered as collateral damage Mm -hmm. because of the way in which we shut down and the way in which we were caught, not really we, but the, but the health care industry was caught with his pants down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They 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 told us they had plans for a pandemic, but yet it's clear that they didn't think about this one angle, this one aspect of the individual, mm-hmm. the individual. Well, that so, so pneumonia is what you said she was diagnosed with, and they did that over like teledoc or over a Zoom. Yeah, so her doctor wouldn't see her in person, and uh, I mean she was. Um, we, we had a we had a pulse ox meter at our house. And right. so she was watching all, you know, blood pressure and heart rate and pulse ox and those kinds of things that that you need to be watching for COVID. Oh, so they, they were they were thinking it was COVID, but it was the pneumonia. It was actually pneumonia. So they were yeah. they wouldn't see her because they thought it was COVID. It was, right? a, it was a bacterial pneumonia, is what she was ultimately hospitalized with. Got it. And, uh, and then also a blood infection too. Well, sure. And so, uh, yeah, it's. Well, that, that is a heartbreaking that, story. I mean, it, it definitely hits home for me. You know, I, I keep hearing you describe something that I've lived to a degree. Yeah. My wife is, she has autoimmune disease too. It's Addison's. Um, as well as a whole bunch of other things, thyroid, uh, premature ovarian failure. We are in and out of the hospitals pretty regularly, historically. Um, I got to say, I'm pretty blessed at this point that with COVID, she hasn't been in. There have been some close calls where you know BP was super low at night and it was like, you know, we should probably bring you in the ER, but also, you know, I hear something like that and it's just, it's, it's horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where things, uh, pe- people are in situations where they should go to the hospital, but they're not yeah. right. because, yep. because they're so afraid of being alone. Right. Um, yeah. You know, Ethan, Nicole on the Babylon B podcast told me when, when he was a kid that, that he, he had to spend nights in a hospital after some kind of procedure alone and it freaked him out. I've, I've got, um, a friend of my sister-in-law who's a nurse. She had a, a procedure needed to be in the hospital a few days. And she, she told me I was, I work with these people and I was gripped with loneliness because I couldn't be with my family right. because my family couldn't be there. 
How much more for people that don't know anyone at the hospital? I mean, I'll, I'll give Elizabeth credit. She made the best of the situation. I mean, she she really tried to minister to uh, the doctors and nurses and made a made a you know the best situation she could out of it. And and she said she told me a couple times, Steve. I don't know what God's doing. Keep fighting, but don't worry about me. I'm actually doing halfway okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm making the best of this. Mm. And yes, I totally wish you were here. And yes, you know, I wish my mom was able to be here. And, you know, but how, there, there are lots of people that, that aren't equipped with the kinds of tools that Elizabeth learned over the years to, 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 to yeah, to, yeah, to 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 really, you know, kind of be the person that she was, and, and not let her sicknesses become her identity, and not let you know, tr- look, looking at things from you know from a way that that could be a positive, yeah. and and so uh, I, I can't imagine what those people. I I, I couldn't imagine. I, I I can't imagine. How long was she in the hospital without seeing the family? Twenty one days. I, I can't. I can't even imagine that. I mean, there's something that's broken when doctors are afraid of sick people in hospitals. You have to go in and be alone. Yeah, like that, that that's 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 not the way that we're going to heal. Yeah, and wasn't no. there something in particular about like the uh, the head of the infectious disease department at that hospital was, if I remember parts of the story that I've heard, was actually lobbying for you to to stop going to the press because. And that I, I wouldn't say lobbying for me to stop going to the press. Okay. Um, she knew. Uh, so, so the story is um, she inserted herself into my wife's case pretty right. early, pretty right around the time that first article was published. Okay. And I was starting to make a public stink. And um, like the next day she came into my wife's office, my wife's room and said, Oh, Elizabeth Ryder, does your husband happen to be Steve? Oh, his name is on my desk. I I I, I completely felt like oh, felt like it was it was just manipulative to try and right. she was playing she was playing the good cop to my wife to try and get me to right. you know to to back off. But I mean there's a righteous fury that is I mean it needs to be answered. Like that is what no, you, I, yeah. Both had to deal with is, uh, yeah, you can't you can't even put it into words. Like that is insane. Is I mean, yeah, I. Mm. So, um, I've got a, a couple of questions about um, yeah, yeah. like that. That first, thanks for sharing that. I mm-hmm. I can't imagine that, um, especially with the work that you're doing now as great as the cause is that having to relive that in order to um, talk about, you know, uh, what's happening with the Never Alone Project, that yeah. that yeah. can't be easy, especially since right. it's just no. a few months old. Um, no, it's not. It's really not. And, and, and in fact, um, yeah, I've, I've, I've taken breaks from Never Alone just for the simple reason that, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, ripping that bandaid off, actually ripping the scab off. And, and I, I need to take some time and, um, 
you know, kind of heal from it a little bit. And then, okay, now I've got some energy. I can focus back on it. And uh, no, I completely agree. Well, again, thanks for sharing that with us because it's exhausting to hear. I can't imagine what it was like to have lived it. Um, So as a, as a pastor, we've seen some of those same things when it comes to hospital visits, we've had several people that we've not been able to get to people in nursing homes that I've got a couple of members of my, we, our congregation, um, we're, we're right around like 150 and I've got several members of our elder care team that are going and like forcing their way through hedge bushes so that Mm -hmm. they can like put their hand on the window of a room that somebody's at. Um, because we're, we're not allowed in, um, we've, we've been stonewalled in, in a lot of those situations. And as I was, I was talking with some of our leadership team, you know, we were talking to the people in the church, Hey, we're going to do this interview. This is an important topic. We're trying to figure out what we can do on, on our end. And I'll, I'll ask you some questions about that in a, in a few minutes, but um, several of, of the men in our church and, and the, the three of us in particular, as we were talking about it is so as a, as a husband and as a father, you know, the the instinct seems to be like I'm gonna I'm gonna walk in and I'm gonna knock over everybody that's in the way, yeah. um, and and get to my wife. So, how do you in that situation? How did you keep your your emotions and your actions in check to be able to handle this um, responsibly, even though you're in such yeah. a difficult situation? I, I I knew it would be more about me if I went in there and I got myself thrown in jail, which is really ultimately what happened. Um, it would have been more about me than about my wife. And so instead I just focused and channeled that energy into, into um, trying to get reporters to bite. If, if there was a, if there was a nibble, if there was a nibble and I heard back from any reporter, I was dripping, 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 sending them email, sending them a text, checking in, letting them know that this was still a problem, forwarding them other articles and saying, listen, this is a bigger problem than just me. This is one story. There's a lot more people in the state. If you dig, you could win a friggin' Pulitzer Prize probably out of this. Yeah. And, and so, uh, yeah, so I, that's, that's how I did it as, as I focused and channeled my energy in, in, into something that was productive. Yeah, there was a a story that came out today that said that there were um, a bunch of protesters in Colorado. I don't know if you saw this at a retirement home. Yep, Greeley. Yeah, Greeley. yeah. I've got a, a good friend of ours, Ron Waterman, lives in in Greeley, Colorado. Guy we used to do some ministry work with. That uh, the the people in the retirement home were protesting that they would rather die of of loneliness than of COVID. And you had mentioned something before. COVID, about, COVID, the yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Right. But, um, but you had mentioned something that uh, the AARP had put out a study about what a, a day alone or, or what loneliness was equivalent to. And, and can you elaborate on that and, and kind of what that looks like? Yeah. So um, AARP, I, I forget the doctor's name that, that, that did this study, but um, they, they basically looked at mortality rates of loneliness and tried to equate it to how many cigarettes per day um, is equal to loneliness. And, and they said a loneliness is equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Yeah. And, and if, if that's indeed the case, 21 days yeah. times 15, yeah. 315 cigarettes yeah. is what is what my wife smoked of loneliness. And she made the best, like I said, she made the best of it. Mm-hmm. She did. But looking at the autopsy results, 
she saw a significant decline in terms of her heart, her lungs. They found kidney stones. She complained of back pain her, the, last, the last week of her life. The last week of her life, she complained about back pain. And had we been allowed in, we would have been able to massage her lower back. Her mom's a massage therapist. So <clears throat> her mom really would have been able to do a better job than me. But I mean, it's just rubbing her back. And if the pain wouldn't have gone away, we would have said something to the doctors and the nurses of, hey, this back pain isn't going away. What could this be? Ooh. She had kidney stones. And you... Um... You, you talk about, you know, being there with a patient, not just the, the physical interaction there, but also being an advocate. I mean, you totally with, uh, with the children, yeah. uh, especially the story you told about the eight-year-old, like wh- how much does he know about what he's allergic well, to? Never or, mind or that. What his, what he his doesn't legally is. have a voice. R- right. Period. Yeah. He doesn't legally have a voice. He's not 18, 21, yeah. whatever it is. And, and so, yeah. Like with with your wife, um, you know, if the doctor's coming in, he's seen how many other patients and he's exhausted by the time he gets to her. If she's asleep, how much attention, you know, mm-hmm. versus having somebody in there that's like, no, she's been complaining of back pain. Right. She's had these well, other and, things going on. And also with having, with autoimmune, there's like a list of things you have to tell the doctor when you, when right. you arrive. And you, there's some things you have to make them do that they may not want to do. But uh, it, I agree. I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have a family member in your corner, it's and you feel like crap because you're dealing with it <laughs> you know yeah. like i mean yeah what well, well, well gen- gentlemen i mean uh i i heard i had a um doctor in she's a pathologist in the tampa st pete area and um she called me up and she said she was moved moved by by my story um i believe it was the the babylon b um interview Mm-hmm. that she called me from, or it might've been the Federalist article. I don't remember which. And uh, she called me up and, and we, had, we had this amazing conversation. And she said, Steve, you need to fight for legislation for the simple reason that the doctors in general really like that there is no family member there because they're getting the rounds done much quicker. Much quicker because they're not have because those family members are not asking the questions and the doctors are not having to answer those questions. And then, you know, if everything that comes with, you know, <laughs> a question that needs to be answered and, you know, new procedure, new this, new that, new whatever that has to be written up and done. And the nurses are also getting their, their, their rounds done even quicker with, without those family members there. And and so she told me, she said, Steve, there's needs to be legislation for the simple reason that it's not just going to be a pandemic that, that the hospitals are going to restrict those visitations. Yeah. They'll do it the next flu season. Right. Mm-hmm. Now that the president's so, been set. So, yeah, so tell us about the Never Alone project. Right. You mentioned legislation. Where are you lobbying? So um, here in Colorado, um, I want to say it was a couple weeks after Elizabeth died. um, I got a call from my former state rep, Amy Stevens, who used to be a colleague of mine at Focus. And Amy said, uh, I I have a mutual friend. I have a friend who's in the hospital. He wants to get out. They're not letting him out. He's lonely. I read, just read, heard about your story. I'm deeply moved. Um, Tim Geithner, your current rep, 
can I introduce you to him uh, to try and get some legislation written for the state of Colorado to open up the hospitals? I said, absolutely. So, um, so I went up to the Capitol and met with Tim and we had an amazing conversation. Um, the guy's is freaking incredible. I mean, if, if he wanted to run for a higher office, he said he's never going to run for Congress, but I said, but if he wanted to, he could be an excellent congressman. Mm. Um, Tim, uh, and, and it's mainly just because he doesn't want to, doesn't want to be away from his kids right? Um, for, for half the year, for more than half the year, which is what these guys are often doing when, when they're in Congress between fundraising and actual legislation that they're, they're gone ha- more than half the year. And uh, so anyway, Tim was deeply moved and shed a bunch of tears over the story. And uh, so um, anyway, we, we, we got some, he worked with the hospital association to get some legislation drafted. Um, and before it even hit committee, there was a strike through that basically gutted the bill from a requirement to a suggestion. Mm. And uh, Tim and I talked about whether to uh, get it pulled or to uh, just push it through as is. And we decided to push it through as is because even if it's just a symbolic victory, maybe some press outlets would take it and run with it. And that would really ultimately put some bad press on the hospitals like University of Colorado Hospital Anschutz that still hadn't opened up. And sure enough, as soon as it passed the Senate before it even hit the governor's desk, um, they quietly opened up and started letting visitors in. And that's where my wife was, was at the University of Colorado Hospital Anschutz campus in in Aurora, Colorado, which is the southeast side of Denver. Mm. Um, Really, the hospital's pretty much straight east of Denver almost. (laughs) And uh, so it it was a symbolic victory. Um, I just had... Uh, cigars with Tim and his wife, uh, with, with a few other guys from Holy Smokes on Sunday. And Tim said that they're going to, uh, try and reintroduce the bill to, uh, to get it actually have some teeth. So that way we're, that way we're, 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 these future protections are here. So that way, so that that way patients can have the right to at least, at least one screened visitor Mm. per patient per day no time limits. And really, ultimately, that's going to come down to the hospitals making sure that they have the PPE in place, that, that um, you know, that they have uh, really thought through how to safely let healthy people in. They're and, 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 and show up. So, I mean, I'm serious. Like, that's not a joke. That's yeah. real. Yeah. And the janitorial crew. Yeah, the janitorial crew can show up. I mean, they know how to do that. I know. And, and like, like one, one of the things that, that I, I, I publicly questioned the hospitals were, okay, are, are when your doctors are not working, mm-hmm. are they, are, are they going to the gas station? Are they going to King Supers or a grocery store? Are they going to Walmart or Target or Home Depot or Costco? Right. Are they wearing masks every single time that, that, that they're out? Are, are they scrubbing? Are they washing their hands? Are they doing all this stuff? Are their family members, are they doing all of that? Mm-hmm. Right. Chances are probably not. Chances are before the mask mandate that the governor put forth here in Colorado, um, I doubt it. I really, really doubt it. 
And so um, really, I mean, you, there are ways to balance, to really balance the individual's needs versus protecting the collective. And it was all about the collective and the individual was left to rot on the vine. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that ultimately, I really believe down the road, we are going to look back at this in horror at the number of people that died alone and the number of people that suffered alone mm-hmm. and, and how much malpractice happened because, because the nurses weren't taking in good enough care. I mean, my wife is the perfect example. She had kidney stones mm-hmm. and they didn't listen to her about her lower back pain. Mm. Dang. I'm just sort of at a loss. Yeah. Well, well, how can, uh, how, how can we follow the Never Alone Project? How, how can you know, the listeners, you know, should they feel compelled to, to follow or donate or whatever? You know, how would we do that? Yeah. So we have a website, neveralonepandemic.org. Um, and then uh, a Facebook page, facebook.com slash neveralonepandemic. Uh, there we also have a, a Facebook group where people can kind of share what's going on. Um, uh, and, and, and it's a place really to kind of uh, network um, through this, I got to know an aide for a state senator in North Carolina. They introduced a very similar bill. And just like in Colorado, the hospital association went in and gutted it. Mm. Um, the hospital lobby is a very powerful organization. And ultimately, really what it's going to take in order to get legislation passed is for all of us to share stories to um, get on the same page, share hashtags, so that way we can we can start to generate some traction and some movement, so that way the media takes notice, because it's going to take publicly shaming the hospitals, publicly shaming them for them to budge on this issue. I mean, shaming and simply requiring accountability. So, I mean, well, the, the, that's what it takes, right? Yeah, now, it seems like like. Yeah. So what, uh, what kind of hashtags should we be using or, or can we share, um, not just so that we can get, you know, the stories of those people out there, but also so that we can support other people who have, who have been through similar situations. Yeah. So I've, I've created some hashtags, never sick alone, never die alone, never ER alone, never birth alone, never give birth alone. Um, never, uh, never alone project, never alone. Um, the, the, those are the kinds of ones. If you go to the Facebook page, never facebook.com slash never alone pandemic. Um, there you'll see the hashtags that, <laughs> that I just copy and paste into, into, uh, the posts and, uh, take whichever one works for you or all of them and, uh, post it and tag never alone project. And, uh, re- th- this is what it's going to take in order for this to actually, happen is for is are for people that have had these stories to share them publicly and many times they're painful um i joined uh, a facebook group called young and widowed with children um one of my former employees at family talk <coughs> um she was an intern and um there was another intern and they fell in love and they got married and so I had two editors that ended up getting married and 
Mike sadly passed away three years ago from a pulmonary embolism, just like my wife passed away from. And uh, um, so Molly sent me this this group called uh, Young and Widowed with Children on Facebook. And uh, I shared a, a story, an article from the Colorado Sun, which really kind of detailed my story that was released two days after my wife passed. And uh, I'm, I kid you not, guys, with, with, within 24 hours, there were at least a dozen and a half people, young, mm-hmm. that lost their, lost their mostly husbands. Most of, them, most of them were wives who lost their husband during the pandemic. None from COVID. Um, there were a couple that were like drug overdoses and a couple that were like heart attacks. And all of them had the same story where they never got to say goodbye to their spouse. They never got to be there with them. It was, they'd taken them to the ER and then being turned away. And Ooh. then getting a call that their spouse was gone. And uh, we, we need to do better. We need to do better. And, and, and for anyone that's listening and, and is like, and, and is questioning, um, you know, how, how dare I put other doctors and nurses and other patients at risk by, by demanding that, that, that uh, guest visitors be, be let in. I, I, I would say that, you know, I, I understand that, but if, if we set, if we set a goal of, of this, Inevitably, inevitably throughout human history, entrepreneurs have stepped up and come to the plate with breakthroughs in personal protective equipment. And if we set the bar, if if we set the bar of one screen visitor per patient per day, rather than saying it just can't be done, Mm -hmm. what if we say, okay, this is the goal. How do we get this goal safely? And then all these hospitals start working together and trying to share research about how, how, what kind of mask can we create Mm -hmm. and then 3d print right right on the spot. So that way they scan, we pay, you know, 50 bucks, whatever, to get our mask, to get in there, they screw on the canisters and then we can go in there and we're not transmitting and we're not receiving those virus, that respiratory virus, which is the number one thing that, 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 all pandemic experts that, that I have seen in my entire life, their number one concern has always been respiratory viruses. Yeah. It's always, e- Ebola wasn't, wasn't nearly as scary because it's, different, it's difficult to transmit. But I mean, yeah, yeah, once you get it, that is really scary. But respiratory flus and viruses and coronaviruses have, have always been the ones that, that have been the most, the greatest concern. I mean, we all remember SARS. Mm-hmm. It was a respiratory virus. We all remember swine flu. We all remember Hong Kong. We're, we're too young to remember Hong Kong flu, but mm-hmm. Hong Kong flu was before I was, before I was born. I think I'm older than all you guys. And so, so the Spanish flu was, was a respiratory virus. And, and so if, if we can figure out a way to create some personal protective equipment that genuinely protects and drops that risk to a point where, okay, you're, you're not showing signs, you're, you're, you don't have a fever, you're not doing, you're not coughing, you look good. Okay, here's the mask. You're, you're free to go in. If, if we set that goal inevitably the free market will step in and entrepreneurs will see a money-making opportunity and they will, they will step up to the plate. 
So uh, that way, the next pandemic, we will be able, we we won't have a problem. I definitely agree. The the one yeah. thing that we can't do is let our family members be put into a sick room and you know, if they get better, great. If not, you know, that, that's, that's unacceptable. I, yeah. I think we do need to change the, the conversation from, you know, change the conversation to how do we do it? How do we safely bring right. in? Yeah. I, I just, well, I mean, Gen- Gen- gentlemen on, on mother's day, um, my, because I couldn't get my wife to smile at all. Um, we are a conversation actually that night turned to what if this is the one you don't come home from? Mm-hmm. That is not a conversation anyone should have over FaceTime. It's not. That is a conversation to have to have in person mm-hmm. while you're holding that your loved one's hand and you're having those very real conversations. It's wrong. My son, the night the night when I came home. And I told, I told my boys that, the, that, that my wife had passed, that their mother had passed away and they weren't able to bring her back. 20 minutes after, um, after I told them, um, Caleb immediately ran out, of the, ran out of the house. He's a mover and a kid, he's got ADD. I mean, he's just, he's just a, he's always moving, always doing something. He's a lot like me in that way. Matthew just sat there, sat there, sat there on the couch. And after about 20 minutes, I put my arm around him and I said, Hey, bud, what's going on in there? And I tapped his heart and he said, daddy, I'm equal parts sad, equal parts pissed because the last three weeks of my mama's life were stolen from me. Yeah. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. This time with our loved ones was stolen from us because the hospitals because the United States sick care system, I don't like to call it a healthcare system because it's really a sick care system. They got caught with their pants down and they didn't think about this one angle. And if they did, they clearly came up with, they, they clearly had the wrong ideas because uh, individuals need physical touch. They need other people. They need someone to speak life. They need someone to rub their back and to rub their feet and to cry with them and to hold them and to pray with them and to just talk and to laugh and to try and bring levity and just try and do the things that that we try and do with our loved ones in the hospital to try and help them to get better. Yeah. I want to I want to take a quick beat because I want to make a, a separation here in case there are some things that you you don't want us to air. Um, but just as a as a fellow believer and uh, somebody who, even though we've known each other now for about um, maybe an hour, mm. I, I kind of feel close because I've heard this story. Um, how how are your sons? How are you handling that? And like I said, yeah. this is something you you don't want us to air. Yeah. Um, we no. respect that and and keep it off. So. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Um, really, we're doing better than I would have expected. Um, the day after I announced um, a friend of mine uh, that lost his wife uh, that lives in Oregon, he, he, he called me and he said, or text, he sent me a message. He said, hey, if you don't have my number, um, here it is. Call me anytime. And the next day I did call him. And um, at the end of our conversation, he, he said, Steve, can I give you a piece of advice? I said, absolutely. So do whatever you can to get your kids into grief counseling. He said, in my grief group, I saw a vast difference between the kids that got counseling and the kids that didn't. And the kids that didn't often had more alcohol, more drug abuse, more anger issues, more acting out, more all of that kind of stuff than the kids that 
that got the counseling. And he said, if you need to put it on a credit card, put it on a credit card, do whatever you can. <clears throat> Fortunately, we had some life insurance, not a lot, but it was, it was more, it was enough to pay off the house. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and then also uh, a friend of mine created GoFundMe and we got $30,000 out of that. And so, and so I set aside a chunk of that money, that GoFundMe money for the boys, for the counseling, for the boys and I. And uh, <coughs> Matthews said that that's helped quite a bit. And, um, and, and it helped me quite a bit too. Um, it, like, like anything, I mean, it, it, it comes in hits and waves where, where the waves just seem to be less and less. Um, occasionally it'll get hit with a bigger wave, but like, just like the ocean. I mean, when, when it starts to calm down, you know, the waves get less and less and, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing better than I would have expected. Uh, this, this week end and week has been a little tougher than most because on Saturday, I finally got the courage to clean out her closet and I pulled up some clothes that I wanted to keep and put them in a bag and some shoes and some stuff that, you know, a stuffed animal for, for the boys. That was one of Elizabeth's when she was growing up. And, and uh, um, yeah, it, it, I, I did great on Saturday and then Sunday seeing all 13 of those bags, it just hit me. And, uh, and again, yesterday and today, just kind of seeing those bags just kind of around the house has just kind of been a downer and a bummer and kind of put me in one, put me in a little bit of a funk, but um, I've told her friends, I've said, Hey, if you want anything, come over this week and uh, I'll let you go through everything and you can take whatever you want. We've kind of kept what we want. Her mom's pulled out what she wanted. And so uh, yeah, come Saturday or Sunday or Monday next week, I'm going to take all those bags and take them to, to, uh, St. Vinny's and, uh, or wherever. And, uh, just kind of that next step in moving forward. Yeah. Well, again, thanks for sharing that with yeah. us. That's, I mean, I don't know that I would be able to share that, you know, that, that's, that's unfathomable, unfathomable. Um, but while, while we have you, I would like to ask about, uh, the the holy smokes yeah, yeah oh thank you guys for 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 bring, for bringing a smile to my face now yeah just a bit so, yeah <laughs> let's shift gears so, so first off you're the podcast host right? yes or yeah uh, for yep. how, how often do you guys release um episodes you know what what does it typically cover so uh holy smokes podcast I did, I did listen to it for the record but for those who haven't heard <laughs> yeah. it yeah 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 so uh with holy smokes after my wife passed away i took a little bit of a break but um when we for when i first launched i was doing it twice a week and then i scaled it back to once a week and then uh after my wife passed away i, I took a break because i just really wasn't mentally in a place where i could and then i want to say it was about a month and a half ago maybe um i started releasing again and um and uh, yeah, so what we do is we, we've, uh, Holy Smokes is a um, private cigar club. Hey. It doesn't cost any money to uh, be involved. Uh, and it really, it, it, you can listen to the podcasts, uh, the uh, first, I think, uh, number one and number two that really kind of tell the story of Holy Smokes and tell Kay's story. Uh, but back in 2007, a guy locally named Kay Hidamine, a big Japanese dude who, 
I, I love him. Oh my gosh, I love Sounds him like so much. Sounds like a cigar smoker. Yeah, he's he got does. a cigar smoker. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. K, K, K is the man. Anyway, uh, he uh, sent a text out to more than a half dozen uh, ministry leaders and, and uh, mega church pastors mm. in the Colorado Springs area. And every single one showed up. And at the end of the night, all of them said, I need more of this in my life. And so uh, they they uh, came up with the name Holy Smokes to abbreviate it HS time. So that way their secretaries would see HS time and might think it was Holy Spirit time. Yeah. And so so that in case there's in case their staff was, wasn't happy about it. Yeah. And so uh, so anyway, um, so it kind of became a semi-regular thing. And then I want to say it was around 2010 that uh, Paul Felita started uh, just having guys meet in his backyard every Wednesday and occasionally just be a few. And then, you know, a few became more. And when they became more regular, it started to become more and more. Um, I met Kay in uh, September of, was it 2014, September of 2014. So uh, six years ago now. And uh, the first question Kay asked me was, hey, you like an occasional cigar? And I said, yes, I haven't had anyone to smoke with. And he said, I've got lots of people you can smoke with. <laughs> and so uh, that Wednesday, I, I went to Holy Smokes and uh, saw a few people that I knew from around town. And so it me immediately gave me a, a place, kind of a, a place to connect. Here in Colorado Springs, we meet every Wednesday from 4.30 till at least 7, sometimes 8, sometimes later. And uh, um, we have a private, actually, it's a, it's a secret Facebook group. So it's private and unlisted. Uh, and and uh, so that way it protects the identity of, uh, of, you know, people that are in the group. So that way. Uh, yeah, because it's a sin to smoke cigars. You don't want anyone to smoke <laughs> Yeah, we, 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 we have Southern Baptists, yeah. pastors and ministers and <laughs> leaders Yep. That 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 are very careful. Some some with bigger names that that are very careful, and so they they are they love Holy Smokes, mm -hmm. and they, they are active within the community, but they don't want their name public. In fact, I've got one who I went up to his place on Saturday and had a cigar, and he told me I'm getting ready to retire. I think I think it's next. I think either the end of this year or early next year, he's actually going to be formally retiring from the Southern Baptists convention as a speaker and, yeah. and um, with, with his organization. And so he's going to be freed up to be able to come out publicly about his love of cigars and, 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 and trying to, uh, I, I want to get more of those, more of those uh, leaders within denominations mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want to say leaders within leaders within the big pastors, big names within denominations that are not fine tobacco friendly and not, you know, don't don't like the message and they think it's wrong of faith, friendship, fine tobacco and drink, which is really kind of the tagline that I have for Holy Smokes. They sound lame. <laughs> <laughs> no so yeah my my uh one of my friends told me about this several years ago we went to we went to lunch i don't know how it came up but we were he's he's a fellow christian and he had mentioned something about a bible study and i said you know i'm kind of i i think i'd like to find a bible study and he mentioned yeah I, I, we meet up and we smoke cigars and i was like wait what <laughs> those yeah. things 
don't know those part things of go Catholic together. Bible study, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, that's an awesome idea. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, we, we, we have, um, I want to say it's about 3,700 members now in the secret Facebook group, um, in markets all around the world. I mean, we've, we've got some guys in Kigali, Rwanda. We've got a couple of guys in, um, in, in Okinawa. We've got some guys in Europe and Israel and Australia and Africa and Asia and, uh, Malta, right. In one of the episodes. Yep. He was in yep. and posted something to Facebook and before he knew it, there was a group of guys. Yeah. That's, that's bad. So cool. <laughs> yeah. That's bad yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of my favorite stories is I remember last summer, someone was, I think it was Iron Man was in, uh, uh, Rome. And he said, Hey, I'm in Rome for a few days. Anyone want to get together and have a cigar outside the Coliseum? And sure enough, two days later, I saw a picture of him with someone in Rome Outside of the Coliseum with a cigar in their hands. And it was, it was, it, that, that's, that's beautiful. And, and, and so really the podcast is all about telling the stories of the people of Holy Smoke. So that way, when they go to Dallas, when they come to Colorado Springs, when they go to Denver, when they go to Seattle or Orlando or Charlotte, North Carolina, when they go to those markets, they'll, they'll already know someone because I featured, we featured their story on the podcast. And uh, so, or when you go to Southern California and you want to go to Culebra Cigar Company, which is where Ethan, Kyle, and Dan from the Babylon Bee love to hang out. You can say, Ethan, I heard you on the Holy Smokes podcast. Right. And mm-hmm. I love your stuff for the bee. You are rock. I, I, yeah. love, I love Axe Top. Yeah. I I found out about Ethan. Axe after after uh, learning that he was working with the B, and it is absolutely hysterical. I, yeah, the, my my boys and I watched Axe Cop on Hulu, and oh, oh we that's it's yeah. just it's it's amazing dad son time. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> I really want to know about the guys in Rwanda because mm. I don't know. Are you a coffee drinker? A little bit, a little oh. bit. Okay, so we are no. Uh, okay, not Kyle. They Kyle, are. Kyle okay. hates. I, I'm just. Go, I would rather drink lake water. I I <laughs> I respect people's choices for coffee. I just can't do it. I can't stand it. And uh-huh. unfortunately, I'm even in the same boat with cigars. Now, fine drink. What a loser! I, oh, <laughs> I, I can get behind. I can get behind a a good old fashioned. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. So. All right. So, which old fashioned was my wife's favorite drink? Yeah. It was my it was her favorite drink by far. In fact, in fact, anytime she would go, she would never smoke cigars because mm-hmm. of the pulmonary hypertension and lung issues. Sure. But, but, um, she she would get an old fashioned. She loved yeah. old fashions. Now, let me ask you this: You haven't smoked. You, you don't like cigars, but have you ever tried a pipe? Ooh. I just saw, and it's try it. it. Probably here's try here's, it. I've never inhaled anything. And no, I, you don't inhale. No, no, sorry. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase it. Let me rephrase it. I've no never. I, I, I'm more, yeah. Steve's my hero. Just, I, just, I am more. Just like Bill Clinton, right? No. <laughs> no, I know. Wait, that was uh, George W. That was George, yeah, George yeah, W. No. Yeah. It's just. No, it was Clinton. It was Clinton. It was Clinton. I, yeah, I was in college at the time. And, and all of us in college thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, right. Yeah. You smoked weed yeah. and you didn't inhale. Obviously. Sure you did. It's just yeah. flat, like for me, I, like my, my dad, my brothers, I, it's totally fine. It's just not for me. And that's okay. Really? Okay. 
totally yeah. comfortable with it. And I don't have a problem. Like I will yeah. sit in the room and everybody else can be smoking a cigar. You'll, you'll just, yeah. I don't care. You'll we, just sit we, in the room and not smoke a cigar and drink like water. And, no, no, I don't want to have you, you're drinking <laughs> a cigar. You're something wrong with you, but. <laughs> we're all made uncomfortable by how comfortable you are not doing the thing we're trying to peer pressure you to do. I'm not. So, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. I, no, I I will enjoy my drink. That's so, all right. Okay, so what are you uh, what are you smoking right now that you're really enjoying? You know, I just got. Hold on, let me. Pull, are you guys going to use the video of this? We we, we can. We can. I can we, cut we can, this part yeah, out. We can. We can cut. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, if if you're going to use it, I'm going to pull it out and I'll show it to you. Okay, yeah, yes, we're going to use the video. All right. All right. My Tupper door is right down here. Oh. Okay, what's a, what's so, a Tupper door? What's the, the difference? So, Tupper, so a Tupper door is a big plastic container. Uh-huh. Like a Tupperware. That, Tupperware. Yeah, it's exactly. But My mom's and, 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 and so this one is, what size is it? It's 70. It's 74 quarts. So it's a big container. Yes. And, so, and, and, and I, I, I have a cigar oasis humi- humidor, uh, humidification device. And, and so all you do is you put, it, it has a, like a cartridge at the bottom that you fill with distilled water. Oh, and then it automatically, it automatically keeps it at whatever, at whatever humidity you want to keep it at. And so I've kept mine right now. I think it's 71% humidity. Is you go out and buy those? Like, or is this a homemade thing? No, it's, it's, it, well, I, you piece it together. So, so I, I got the Tupper, I got the, um, the, the plastic container on Amazon. I would just do this because that's me. Like, <laughs> right. I, like I mean, I don't smoke cigars. I would make that. That's, that's just awesome. It's a business opportunity, Kyle, for you, right there. It's yeah. a business opportunity. You create you create these. So, so this is something that I just got on on Cigar Bid. I want to say a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. It's called like Com- it. Comfortably Numb by Espinosa. So I'm, I'm, I'm a giant Pink Floyd fan. So my, my, my high school art teacher every Friday was Floyd Friday in art class. And we learned to love Pink Floyd, love Pink Floyd. And so, so I, I mentioned this to, uh, Tim Long, who, uh, used to be involved with uh, Dad smoking cigars podcast. And now is with down to the nub and cigar show, Tim and, Tim's a great guy. So he told me about this cigar. It's called Comfortably Numb by Espinosa. Got a cool wrapper. Yeah, it does. And uh, um, yeah, this this is just it's it's a it's it's a really really good stick that I've fallen in love with, and I'm likely going to get another box on Cigar Bid once I'm out. I've got two, four, six, seven sticks left. So okay. out of twenty, I have yeah. a question. You said how many? How many are Did we get there? that on tape? No, yeah, absolutely. Where he said he was ignorant. Ignorant yeah. means I just don't know yet. No, no, no. That, we're just gonna take that. You know, yeah, that, yeah. That's yeah. fine. No, I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> no. abuse that bro. all day long. That's fine. No, but you, how many did you say you had left? So I've got seven left. And how many would have come in the box? Twenty. And uh, or twenty-five. I, th- I think this was twenty-five. Uh, twenty or twenty-five. One of the two. How how much about? So uh, I, th- I think on cigar bed, I think this was about four, between four and five bucks a stick. Okay, that's not bad. No, that's okay. Not bad at all. I I thought you were about to say between four and five hundred, and I was like, and that right there is one of the reasons why I can't do this. So <laughs> too many expensive things. All right. But, so what okay. uh, what kind of leaf on the comfortably numb? Are we? No idea. Yeah. I have no idea. Brown. Brown. That's, that's, that's something to take a look. It's just, yeah. it's it's just brown. It's just, yeah, it's 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 a it's a medium bodied stick. 
Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm more of a Maduro guy. I love like, like mm-hmm. in my humidor right now, I've got, um, Iroa, uh, they're, they're Maduro, they're yeah. full Maduro. So it's a Maduro, uh, wrapper binder and, and, uh, and filler. Do it. Wait, we just one. We... Just no, because, because like you're talking about this, the way I talk and think about like whiskey and Scott, yeah. like, you have my now you're fine. All right. I'm in. Yeah. We'll uh, so, the, so, so 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 it's this 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 is a little more medium bodied compared to the Aroa, but um it's it's just this is just so t- everyone that I've given this comfortably numb to has been like, ooh, it's kind of got some nice pepper in it and it's just got some really good flavor and and again I'm speaking of, from ignorance. I didn't understand that pepper was a part of cigars. Oh man. Like they, cigars have an entire flavor profile. I get that. It's I mean, not I, just from like, no, like I easy that. smoke to dark smoke, but there's, there's no, pepper, there's yeah, spices but, in them. You have um, to understand the cigars, that, flavors, it's incredible. the cigars that that I'm used to is my grandfather chewing the thing at the end. And after, as he's like, you know, stapling his hand yeah. because, yeah, it just. Steve's not trying to get you to smoke. It's a boy's. I, look, yeah. I, I don't even know what that is or what that means. So we'll just. <laughs> Why was he stapling his hand? Not it was an accident one time. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's questions. that's not a normal part of his no. cigar smoking routine. No. Okay. But but yeah, there's there's a whole complexity to it. So you said you may so uh, you may have to make a a trip here to see some of your guys in early Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so I either before the end of the year, I don't think it's going to happen because I've got a trip to Los Angeles the week before Thanksgiving. And uh, um, yeah, can we come hang out with you? <laughs> and then, uh, what's that? I said, yeah, can we come hang out with you? Yeah, when in you- in, Lo- in Los Angeles or uh, well, sure, just wherever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be easier when you were here, but you know, if you want to go to Los Angeles, we'll we can convince our wives. Hey, we're gonna go hang out with Steve. Who's Steve, y'all wouldn't get yeah. Steve. 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 Stevesy. Yeah. yeah, you guys know. <laughs> So and it, so so the, the the plan is yes you can come hang out with me in Los Angeles if you wanted to, Sweet. but but the, the the plan is definitely to come to the Dallas area um, with Holy Smokes we've gotten a couple because we are a nonprofit we've gotten some donations in the last year that are just kind of sitting in the bank and I'm like I need to go on the road and get some interviews recorded and so uh, <laughs> Dallas Dallas we've got a whole bunch of guys that are down there. Um, some really, really, really good dudes in that area, and it's a yeah, really active community. Awesome. And you, so, um, that kind of thing? what's that? You take recording studio with you, kind of thing. Yeah. So, what I do have for for Holy Smokes is I've got a Zoom H6 right here. Oh, cool. We also and so, and you can you you can see the cigar wrapper that's in here, and yeah. you, you smell my Zoom H6, and it smells like 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 a cigar shop. Gotcha. like a cigar lounge and so yeah i'll take this and then i've got some lapel mics so that way we're, we're not you know yeah that way we're hands we're, we're in a nice comfortable chair relaxed you know not, we're not holding a microphone and trying to drink and smoke at the same time so i've got some good lapel mics and i, I take them on the road and and it's a nice easy awesome. setup um the the episode that i was supposed to release this morning that i need that as soon as we're done i'm going to log in and and get it loaded for release right now was recorded in Seattle a few weeks ago on the back of a 50 foot yacht. 
and uh, we're, we're talking with uh, Rob, Rob Smith, who uh, was, uh, who owns a, an electric boat building company. And we're talking about the launch of his 16 foot runabout, which is an electric boat. Uh, and uh, it, it, the prototype, we saw the prototype launch and tooling around in it. And uh, we're excited for Rob. And so we're talking about things that are going on with Thane boats and, uh, yeah. And, and talking about the, 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 the ability to buy some shares of the company at a very early rate at a very early place. And, uh, yeah. So that's amazing. Well, okay. So he's got the the Holy Smokes podcast where he's riding around in people's yachts and watching their electric boat prototypes and <laughs> his humble brag of how he's got way cooler lives than the rest of us. Um, <laughs> he's got the uh, the Never Alone project, which is neveralonepandemic.org, you said? Yes, neveralonepandemic.org. And then uh, facebook.com slash neveralonepandemic so that you can find out more about him thank you so much for uh for coming on man and and sharing your story and then Thanks, gentlemen. wrapping up with giving us some good stuff about holy smokes and we'll and, uh and, we'll have to and and and, and the website for holy smokes is holy club. club so holy club for the website for holy smokes um there you can learn a little bit more information and get in contact with us to kind of that way we can vet you yeah yeah I went earlier today and requested to join the club. Did, did you have to put on a jacket first before you <laughs> like a smoking jacket? Your webcam just like holy smoke.club and it just takes a flash. It's like, no, no that yeah. guy's that out. That guy's out. Yeah, that guy's out. <laughs> well, well, yeah, thank, thanks for coming on and helping peer pressure Kyle. And yeah, no, I, and now I'm very excited if I'm, if I'm honest. So we'll see. So Kyle, Kyle, let me know if, if you have a cigar before I come to Dallas. No. And if you don't. Oh. If, 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 if you don't, I would, I would be honored to be with you when you have your first cigar. Okay. Fair there enough. Fair enough. I, right that on. is excellent. I and, and, I, and I can go too, right? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just for that. I'm, I'm going to come under an assumed name so that nobody from the congregation There you knows. go. That, yeah. 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 That would be good. Because, well, you, because, because you're kind of in that. I, I pastor a traditional Baptist church. Incredibly, yes. Yeah. And yeah. most of them love Spurgeon, but. You know, they think that he had a deathbed confession that cigars were bad. Oh, why, which yeah. oh brother. Oh, brother. <laughs> well, hey, man, thanks for Thank coming on. Again. We appreciate it. It was, yeah, it was great. It was great talking. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Steve Ryder, huh? Yeah, man. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad the interview ended on a, on a high note, yes. but good grief. That first, what, 30, 45 minutes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... How was what? that as difficult for you guys to listen to yes. as it was for me? And especially having heard it the second time, mm-hmm. there was part of me that was like, oh, he left out this detail. And then I get something right. new that he said. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I, I think, Ugh. I mean, I think we all probably struggled with words and, you know, how do you, what do you say it's, to something It's an like inconsolable that? thing. You can't make it better. Right. No. And, and, but I mean, he's doing exactly what he has to do is, is, to try to change it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I cannot imagine, like I would just be angry and, and I'm, I'm sure he is. I know he is, but yeah, I mean, the guy's I mean, pretty fired up. Yeah. There's, there's no two ways about that. And, and like I said, righteously. So like there's, there's a, such a gross, like I can't, I don't even have a word for it. Just, uh, of of 
moral misdirection mm. in the sense that you're you're somebody believes they're doing the right thing and it's just heinously wrong where like when, when i'm talking about like hospitals and doctors mm. like, oh I mean, yeah like they're trying to yeah well in the interest of keeping everybody healthy or whatever but again he brought up the point like you know how are they going in and you know in and out of hospitals and and going to costco and he just i mean names different places but like yeah, why why can't he follow the same procedures? Why can't any any person, any person that's needing to go visit somebody in the hospital follow the same procedures that the doctors and the nurses and the janitor staff like you said to to go visit their loved ones in these rooms? Mm-hmm. Like it I mean, it's literally like my worst your mur- my wife's worst nightmare. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Going to the hospital for something like that, no one's there to advocate her. Advocate for her. Gosh, I can't. I can't talk today. Well, it's. I mean, who's who's going to expect you to be like super articulate after just yeah, listening listening to that, right? Yeah, I was glad we got him laughing at the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was good because it, it, it's got to be painful to rebring up all of that, yeah, and, all and, of the detail. And that's that's why I asked him that question. And, and it's incredibly important to to go over all of right. the details. This is what I did. Like it sounds like he did everything possible, short of like you said, storming go, the going castle, in, right. going in with but his guns. Point was I mean, figuratively. Yeah, his point's straight up accurate. But what does that what does that accomplish? All I would do is end up in jail, and then I can't even advocate. Then I mean, like I can't. Oh yeah, and and like if you really do want to get to see your wife, like jail, right. jail's the best place for you. To be. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, but but twofold, especially yeah. during the pandemic, is because it's spreading so much in the in jails. Prisons, from what we're being yeah. told, yeah, like he gets put in there, and now. You know, now there's all kinds of complications. Mm-hmm. An hour and a half away from home. Now mm-hmm. he's got the kids to to worry about. It's two boys. Yeah, yeah I'm. I am uh, n- having listened to it and having gotten to know him a little bit over over the course of our interview and a little bit before. Like I'm actually really proud of the way that he handled it, and mm-hmm. I th- I think as difficult as it was, like it does set a good example and precedent. You know of of what being a good husband and a good father in this time, um, especially in that situation looks like and being like God honoring and family honoring and and all of those things. I mean, we all want to say that we would, we would handle it differently, but um, he was just talking about the, the ministry that his wife had there. Um, It's if, if you listen to some of the other interviews that he does, she has some really powerful encounters with some, um, some nurses and some other healthcare workers But even in the midst of that, uh, that still is an a is an emotional thing. I mean, I was, I'm I tend to be uh, a fairly emotional guy. Like I'm not. Like you're the, always crying. Yeah, man. I know. I'm such a <laughs> such a crier. <laughs> That's self censorship right there. Um, but no, I like it. It every time I hear that story, it gets me. Yeah. And, uh, and like I said, the, the first time I, I heard it, I was talking to Kirsten about like, I, there's this guy, I just heard this incredible story that he has. I really want to interview him for the podcast. And she was like, well, is it the one you were listening to when you were just crying? It's like, yes. She's like, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't want to know about my wife. It. My wife said the same thing. Yeah. Cause I had heard, cause you had given me the, the headline, right. right. Of, hey, this, this is what happened. I went and listened to some of that podcast and got interrupted and started telling my wife about it. She was like, no, no. Yeah. No, no I, I'm out. No, no, no. I, I can't. I, I will tell you that this, as a pastor, it kind of, it highlights some 
some holes in my game, maybe some failures that I've had for not it. It becomes and Kyle, you might be able to attest to this a little sure. bit. It becomes really difficult to, to your failures. Yeah. Um, Kyle can definitely attest no, to my failures. No, no, no. Thank you, Danley. I, I think that the thing about going and, and doing hospital visits and, and going into those places, one, like you, you never know what it's going to mean to somebody, yeah. but it's mm-hmm. hard to keep a, a high level of emotional investment mm-hmm. whenever you've been doing it for so long. Sure. Right. So I'm. Like it becomes you know, routine is kind yeah, of what you're saying. Yeah, right. so I've I've been in ministry for 17 years now. So like right from the, you know, when I became adult age. And hospital visits have been a huge part of the last like seven to 10 years of my ministry. Mm-hmm. And so going into a hospital, like you, there are things that you recognize. Like, hey, this person's not going to make it. Right. Or mm-hmm. that there are certain things that happen in a person. You're like, all right, well, here's one that could go either way. Right. Um, is this visit going to make the difference? You know, he's talking a lot about the human interaction. It's it's difficult sometimes to continue to be emotionally invested in, you know, each room that you go into, right. especially uh, pre-pandemic, we, we've got about 40% of our con- congregation is senior citizens. And so when we walk into a hospital, myself and, and our deacons or something like that, we might have four visits that we have to make. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so we've just had lunch and we go and make the first one and it's, you know, everything's good. Well, you know, at the end of the, the second hour, when we're going into that, that fourth hospital room, it gets, you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. Boy, that, yeah. And, and, or it's like, well, we have somewhere to be and we're only going to spend five minutes with this person. Right. Or we spent an hour and a half with that person and then 20 minutes, 10 minutes. And now I only got five minutes for this last person. But. Yeah. But, but just being there makes, yeah. oh. makes the difference. Mm-hmm. Of course. One of the things I really can't wrap my head around in, in my position and I've known you guys for a long time yeah. is that, uh, and you guys still see me as me. I still look in the mirror and I'm like, this guy's a doofus. <laughs> um, but the the people of the church, the people in the community, see me as as the pastor. And and there's a there's something unique about that relationship yeah. that I was never able to really appreciate until I've been in this role. And so whenever, like, if I were to go visit you at the hospital, it wouldn't mean anything. Like, well, oh, hey, not, my hey, my buddy came and saw me at the yeah. hospital. The relationship's it's, different. It's not it's not my pastor. It's my friend here at this point, which right. is. is there's just a different relationship. It, certainly. But, but there is just something really unique about that. Whether I've, I know some of these people and I've gotten to know some, we've got some absolutely magnificent people in right. our congregation and getting to go and visit them, but others that I don't, you know, have the opportunity to know as well. Um, just showing up like how, yeah. how much like the, the nurses and their families, um, will, will tell me, Hey, you know what? Uh, like the next time a nurse sees me because we'll go to the same hospitals or, or we did, right. I'll be like, Hey, uh, after your visit the other day, so-and-so made a, a huge turnaround. Right. It was the best day that she's had in, you know, in the last couple of weeks yeah. or I'll get text messages from the family members that were like, Hey, she ate dinner tonight yeah. because she was excited. I'm like, what, what is it that? It is those but little it's, things. It, it's crazy, uh, but it's like, what does it's a connection though? Right. It's a connection. So I had a volunteer that, that had a stroke basically like, I mean, we, I, we, I believe it was starting Sunday morning he was just off and, and yeah. this guy I've I'm, we've known him for a long time you you can't pay the guy to stay home like I mean he, he wants to be involved invested volunteers weekly and like I said I mean you can't give him a week off it's hey 
take a break and he's he's, okay and then he's upstairs doing something different with another ministry it's like now look (laughs) yeah that wasn't the point of this like go go you know go spend time with your grandchildren or something like Mm -hmm. that but he was acting strange and um you know i just i don't i don't know i don't feel well and all this kind of stuff and he ended up having a type of stroke that afternoon and so was it like one of the tia strokes no, I, or something I like even, that i don't even know no, I mean, what it was but i mean he, he went into the hospital and it's again he's one of my key volunteers and people that i keep in contact with weekly and he disappeared for a week obviously because it was i mean a huge hole in our ministry that you know he's he's not there how's how much to say his name is how's harvey what's he what's he doing and yeah and it's like you know i know i'm i'm going to the hospital tomorrow i don't know the answers right now because i'm not what i'm gonna i'm gonna text him i mean i know was, i called his wife a couple times and just said hey you know we are checking in want to make sure that that you guys are okay what can we do for you can we get meals set up and all these types of things and you know they're like no no we're okay and all this type of stuff well it's like well can i come see harvey like is that possible and so whenever i went to see him and yeah it was not that I did anything, right? But there was a connection, uh, and me and another guy went from the church, and there was a connection that it's like, no, there's there's true care, true care, and yeah. and, and you're not just somebody filling a seat or a no. position, you and, know, and and again, just taking care of his family and talking with his family too while we're there. It's just, it's just, yeah, there's something special about it. There really, really is. Well, every now and then something comes along that really resonates. Mm-hmm. I think. And this was one for me, you know, yeah. hearing about never alone and as painful as that story is. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's important to, to listen to that, uh, and, and empathize with him, but also like, like that, that should not happen. Well, no, and champion, right. champion that. Yeah. Cause. Oh, yeah. Like that, there's, I mean, there's a, there's a plenty of worthy causes, but I can't imagine a word. Uh, I'm having a hard time at the moment off the top right. of my head imagining a worthier cause. Yeah. Yeah. When, when he was talking, I had never heard the detail about her having kidney stones. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of the other interviews that I've, I've heard with him, I listened to a couple in preparation for this one. Um, th- that's the first time I heard that like she had kidney stones and nobody knew. Yeah. Right. And he and he's dead on right that, you know, Dude, if I, he was there, I have been in the hospital room with my wife rubbing her feet. Yeah. You yeah. know, rubbing her, she especially likes her hands, but yeah. whatever it is to provide some comfort. And he's right. They probably would have said, you know, we've been taking care of this and there's something else, else going on. Something else is off. Yeah. yeah. Because if, you're simply with them. Right. And he's talking about the, you know, the Hickman line that she's got and all the, the other complications. Well, yeah. he said the, the kidney stone thing, man. I literally, like, my blood ran, just ran cold. Mm-hmm. I, I know if we were to show the video of us that I lost whatever color my body possesses. You oh, turned I'm, from. Yeah, I turned from, from white, white to, to alabaster. Trans- translucent. Yeah. yeah, so. To, to porridge. To porridge. <laughs> Gross. I just got. Popcorn. Like, yeah. I mean, there's not, I, because I, I don't know. I mean, and I'm with him. Like, what, storm the castle? No, you can't do that. But that's where my heart would be. No like, doubt. I, I, like, there's nothing. You're not putting up a wall between me. No way. No. Sorry, it's not happening. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I like to say that now, but I wasn't in that position. There's yep. no way because I also don't want to be in jail. So I I think if it was reversed from I I want to think that I would have the character that he had in handling the situation. I, I don't think, think if I it, would I think if it was reversed, if I was the one in the hospital and Kirsten was the one that couldn't get in, 
there, she there would have burned down the building. Like half of the nurses would be on the floor with me at yeah. the hospital as patients. Right. Yeah. 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 Like it, I, I, I sleep with a pillow like between my legs so that it you know takes some pressure off my back and she's like get the barrier out of here like there's there's got to be like this just even if it's like yeah. barely touching and i i think that there's just there's so much of a, a complication to, to how each one of us reacts to it one of the questions that i i didn't ask whenever he was on and i i hesitate to like i'm not gonna ask the question right okay danley is the only one of us that has full scope of perspective sure. on what he's going through with the autoimmune disease, also having a son. Like, mm-hmm. what is your challenge? But here's the question I'm going to ask, avoiding the question I'm not going to, right? Okay. How how difficult was it during that interview not to just, like, completely put yourself in his shoes? I mean, right away when he yeah. started telling the story, I was like, I've, I've been there. Yeah. You know, I've had, we've had a bunch of close calls where we, you know, like there was one time I remember driving home and... We weren't sure what was going on. And this is after the Addison's diagnosis. So there's something else going on, which I'm not going to go into her, her, her detail, but that's uh, a, that's literally a topic for another podcast in in some instance. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was driving home and I, and I just, I went, it's cancer. Like she has cancer, you know, and it was like a real, I mean, it was a dark ride home. Yeah. I mean, uh, thankfully it's not right. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, right away when he started talking about, the problems that she's had and in and out of the hospitals and yeah, I completely relate to that. And I, you know, that we've thrown the cancer, the C word around on the show before because it was the, it wasn't a firm diagnosis for me. It ended up not being that as it, as it did for Heather. But once that word's out there, you, you can't take it back. Yeah. 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 Once somebody says, okay, well there's a possibility of cancer. Then you're like, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Dang. Yeah. Um, a uh, a difficult but I think very worthwhile listen. Yeah. I, another thing, just I read this somewhere that uh, I can't even pretend to tell you what what this came from. But he was talking about it's probably the Washington Post. No, 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 no. You're actually we're just talking, a bad pretender we're in talking, general. We're so. talking very long, yeah, a long time ago. I, I read this though, and, and it was dealing with Eng- the English language, and somebody asked somebody a, like literary person. Mm-hmm. What is the strongest word in the English language? Oh yeah, the the most powerful word that connects with every English speaking person, and the word's lonely. Yeah, Ooh. that that word loneliness is the strongest word in the English language. It carries the most potency, the most mass effect. Like it is. I mean, you said the word, and I kind of cringed no, a little I mean, bit. Yeah. No one wants. Yeah, to be alone and to be isolated in, in. There is, I feel like, and even to connect this to the COVID thing, like this whole thing, all it has done is build up walls. Uh, I mean, everybody has to be alone because we have to quarantine. We have to be separated. We have to be isolated. We have to be, and and I think it's driving some people in this generation crazy. Oh yeah. And so, but it also connected to like uh, when he was talking about nursing homes and things like that, like my grandmother, who's 90 gosh 95 no 90 93 is in a nursing home just down the road that way and can't see her they won't let anybody in Mm. it's i mean my mom has sat outside the windows uh, you know sat and there i mean you know they crack the window that much so 
my 90 again three-year-old grandmother who has hearing aids and can't hear a word she's saying because there's a window between them and they won't open it all the way because yeah that's what we've experienced so i mean but she can't hear so yeah now i can see you but i mean it was almost more frustrating but that that isolation is just i can't imagine being i mean and i haven't even thought about this but he had mentioned giving birth oh yeah alone 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 yeah none of us can can uh-uh. no but i can't i can't i can't imagine number one being the father and being like what do you mean i can't go yeah yeah that's my but, wife but Definitely, from the mother's perspective, like they, a lot of them, assuming that they're married or they have they're the significant others yeah. in their life, they go to Lamaze classes and they prepare for this, and you're the one that's going to be there and yeah. coach, hold her hand, Support whatever, everything, and none of that. I had not, I had never thought of that. And like the, I, again, that that has got at that to change situation, right? If you think you're going to keep any of our moms right. out of the room. If if they're like, yeah. even if whether it's their daughter, their daughter in law, or whoever, right. if any of our wives were giving birth, our moms would burn down the hospital, yeah. so that they would be forced to bring them out to a place yeah. where they could be with them. Yeah. They would have them evacuate all of the patients so that the, our wife would give birth <laughs> in the parking lot, and our mother uh. could be present. Yeah, and mother's heart does not care about the law of the land. No. She cares about ripping whoever is messing with her baby into pieces. Yeah, or or what that little doctor who thinks he just knows so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, um, man, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging with us and listening to... Mm-hmm. Um, Steve Reiner. Yeah, we yeah, need to have him on again. A rather tough episode. I'm, we need to follow I'm up hoping, with him. I'm hoping whenever he's in, he's in Dallas, we can, Plug we can hang out with him. Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Or we can be on his podcast. He, there, either way. He said yeah. he would hang out with us in Dallas. Dallas yeah. and Los Angeles. And LA. Yeah, yeah that's true. Open. Now yeah, so. now we can just get permission to go to Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hang out with, <laughs> with Steve Z. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got an RV. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, I'm Let's do it. I'm Let's in. Go. Well, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening to the Rev and the Rep. Um glad to have Kyle back. And this guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um It was a it was a, another episode. It was another episode, that's for sure. So yep. make sure you check out the neverloanpandemic.org. Org, yep. uh, Holy Smokes Club, and um, Facebook dot com slash Never Alone Pandemic to check out the hashtags. No ways that you can uh, support Stephen. Also, um, make sure that you are writing your congressman or representative yes. if yeah. you think yep. that this yes. is something that is worth doing. Um, you've got the legislature on the state level and also on the national level. They need to know about what's been going on and um, just on a on the most basic of Christian principles of loving your neighbor as yourself. Yep. You have, as Martin Luther says, if you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, there is no one that is more your neighbor than your spouse and your kids. Yep. Um, so letting them know about these Martin stories. Martin Luther? And, yeah. Yeah, oh. the original Martin Luther, the, uh, the father of the Reformation. The uh-huh. 11... 95, but really 95. close... Uh, thesis is no theses theses yeah there you go um, that Martin Luther up top yeah well done Sweet. so uh, got it we yeah so, it. so make sure that you're once you're again the rapper braids bring this one home <laughs> come on baby <laughs>
I'm just sliding into first. <laughs> um, so, no, if, contact uh, contact your congressman. Yeah, yeah, so contact uh, representatives. For absolutely, sure. like like we said on the state and the national level. Yep. Um, and support then, what Steve's doing if it's something that's that speaks to you, and yep. then go pick up a comfortably numb. Yeah, oh. and uh, and that is what I will be doing. Yeah. Hang out and and do some Bible study. That's yeah. right. Yeah. All right. I, again, man. That sounds like an awesome club. You can get together and with other Christians and smoke a cigar and study the Bible. That that sounds like it's up my alley. It is. I don't want to go to a regular Bible study. I don't want to do that. Yeah, we've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) I I will say, but there there was a there was this lady um, the uh, the Kunkels. Um, what? They're a husband and wife. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. I this think, is their last name. Yeah. Okay. The, <laughs> Brett and uh, Brett and Aaron, I think, is what their what their names are. I was like, what's a kunkel? Yeah. So they uh, oh, so they gosh. were talking about Brett is actually a member of Holy Smokes. He's oh, he was featured on on Steve's podcast, and he was talking about Stevesy. Yeah, Steve-Z. our Stevesy. Yeah. Ours. Yes. <laughs> so he was he was featured on the podcast. They were talking about the ministry work that they do, and Aaron was saying that she started to smoke cigars a couple of years ago because she found out that like all these like conversations she wants to have with her husband, like he can't sit on the couch and talk to her because it just drives him nuts that he's not doing anything. <laughs> but if she went into the backyard, whenever he was and smoking a cigar, cigar with him. Yeah. That, that uh, she's like, I, I get it now that that's why guys I, do that because yeah. like it gives them some, <laughs> they're there to, to smoke the cigar. And if they have to talk because other people and then are you there, can have a real in-depth an conversation. Yeah, yeah. You have an opportunity. Yep. That's so great. she started buying him bigger cigars because ah. it meant she could hold him hostage for longer. If she <laughs> it takes some of the, <laughs> which I think is awesome. You know, so as an introvert, it takes some of the yeah. anxiety away. From, are you an introvert? Yeah. I, I, he's a pocket introvert. Yeah. Which it, pocket? It left. Pocket, um, pocket sized. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, no, it's, it's, it, it's nice. Yeah. You know? yeah. Uh, it's good. I was going to say something else. I've been, so, so do we gone. have to wait for Steve Z to, to get here so that we can, uh, we can bring Kyle on and, uh, and have, so you no, can, you we can were, have your. Kristen, it's funny. This morning, Kristen, there's apparently, and I'm not, this can go on or not, but. Yeah, sure. Apparently, Cabela's. Yes. Started a smoke bar. Huh? Like they're in Cabela's? It Okay. So, because Kristen used to work at Cabela's for a year. Okay. She worked at a year. And she was like, there's a brown building that I don't remember. And I don't know where it came from. And it's like, like a little. I was like, pull it up on Google. Like the Safari Lounge or something like no, that? No, 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 no. It, it's so, I was like, pull it up on Google and, and tell me what it is. But uh, This is on the way in to work. Yeah. And so we, I'm going to pull it up real fast. Yeah, to work, not to be confused with in the way into twerk. <laughs> to, into work. You, you really work. rushed those words. <laughs> into Twerking. Work. Yep. Into work. Like the. Uh, Cigars International Fort Worth is in the, like, Cabela's parking lot. Huh. And hmm. it is. Wow. It's a nice little lounge. Yeah, and so for whoever. Yeah, well, you can, you could send us that picture, and I we can, can just that. put it. But I mean, into and, it's, the video. and we're talking like why? Well, wow. this is on. Yeah, why? It's done. Why? Yeah, yeah, why? <laughs> not? It's just done already. Yeah, and, and like, and uh, you know, pro fresh. So, it looks very nice. I, and and she said she and I said, well, that is the. I exact don't really smoke cigars, and she goes, yeah. well, you could. Yep. So I have endorsement. I mean, there's there you no, go. Sweet. Okay. That's the exact cool kind of me. place. My wife would be like, no, no, no. Actually, that's not true at all. It's all good. We're gonna go to Bass Pro. Kirsten, it's owned by the same people, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, she she also she oh, doesn't. Is? I don't know. She uh. she likes catching fish. 
Uh-huh. She likes reeling the fish in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She doesn't mind taking the fish off the hook. She, she doesn't like having that. to put your thumb in the fish's lip. She thinks it feels weird and that's <laughs> the part. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, that just seems cruel. Like you were forcing him to do that. I was like, you, you just stabbed what that thing the rest of with three yeah. giant shark, <laughs> you know, sharp, sharp hooks. Mm-hmm. And she was like, yeah, well, that's how you catch them. Yeah, well, like, duh. <laughs> yeah, so you don't like the other thing? No, nah, it's uncomfortable. I don't like it. It's weird. Okay. They have right, gloves sweet. for that. That's okay. Yeah. Do, do you want me to just do that? I no, mean, let's I just mean, not look, go fishing. Look, wives are weird. So uh, yep. you just you just go with a lot of it. You just go, okay. Having been married for six months and now being a marital expert, yeah. I want to say thank you guys for listening, <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Yes. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. We did it. <laughs>